Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Coming to you in a sheer state of panic with Pierre Newsham. Pierre, I don't know if you've seen, you're a Vegas odds guy. If you've seen I'm the. Not, I dabble. Yeah, dabble a little. Um, if you've seen the Vegas odds on. Nick Saban's replacement now that Dan Lanning has, you know, posted a very artfully produced social media video and uh, has said he's staying in the, uh, the green, green grass of Eugene, Oregon. The next coach, Vegas says, and look, any coach that's up for this job would be stupid to say yes or, or to say no to it until he gets his raise from this current place. But Mike Norvell is at plus 150 right now to be the next Alabama coach. And I, I don't deserve this. I don't care about other FSU fans. I do love them all equally. But like me personally, I don't deserve it. I've been through a lot as, you know, maybe the like 10th to 20th most popular college football host from Florida State. I'm hoping I can, I can crack the top 10, but this is, it's just ner- like until I see him release his own artfully produced social media video, I will be in a sheer state of panic. To answer your question, no, I had not seen the odds at, uh, as to who the next head coach for Alabama will be. And boy, is that, isn't that something? Isn't that something you've stumbled into today, my friend? Yeah, no. And look, here's the thing. Alabama is the team that they picked to go in over Florida State in the playoff. Correct. um, 40 years ago, they tried to hire Bobby Bowden, and it didn't get done. And I just feel like there's some, like, universal comeuppance coming to Florida State for stealing something they didn't earn or something. Like, maybe some sort of deal was made with an imp or demon that has, you know— like caused this to happen. Like right when I feel good again, like my emotions are shattered. It's the same thing that happened with Jimbo Fisher is that, Oh my gosh, they won the national championship. Ah, I think this guy's kind of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, listen, it's, it's, it's Alabama. We're going to see basically every name under the sun at this point, come up for that coaching job. But, um, Oh boy. If, if what kind of, it's not even, it's not poetic. That's not the word I'm looking for. What, what's the word I'm looking for here if it ends up being Mike Norvell? That would just be a disastrous type of irony, perhaps. I don't, I don't know. That, that was just, I wasn't expecting that today. I'm I mean, not going to lie. That, yeah. Uh, look, I was totally expecting it as soon as, like, as soon as I heard yesterday the bombshell dropped that Nick Saban uh, had, in fact, retired. Uh, and, 
Like, now I find myself going back, going, Nick, you sure you want to leave? Like, what? Like, you know, I know that you're older and, you know, you have health concerns and you want to enjoy your golden years, but what about me? Yeah, right. (laughs) And it's a fair question. Fair question indeed. What about Paul? Yeah. Like, that's. That's that's why I think every every talk show sports talk show across America is asking themselves right now. But what about our buddy Paul Catalina down in Waco? Yeah, like what about like I really feel that there's not a whole lot of people that consider my emotions when they make decisions. <laughs> and it's right, yes, yeah. fair. Yeah. And, and you know what? That I, let's buck that trend today, pal. <laughs> uh, like let's that comes to an end. Today. <laughs> yeah. But to go through it, like it would be like the choices that Al- Alabama, here's how good the job is. They have no bad options. Like unless Greg Byrne hits his head, like going into the, the meeting with the, with the regents and everybody else and says, you know what? There's this guy. He's a, uh, he's at Shadron state. He's going to, you're going to love him. I'm giving him the job. Like, unless that happens, like there's no like there's no bad options. Like no. literally the worst option for them it appears right now is Dabo Sweeney who's won two national championships and the only reason he's a bad option is you have to wonder does he want to to play SEC football which is you know that transfer portal you have to open your door to it. Um you you just can't throw kids in and take none out. And I don't think NIL has been a problem for Dabo. Like, they're, they're fine on NIL. But the, the transfer portal thing is what, you know, would keep, I think, people being reticent about Dabo. But he is an alum. He played a national championship team. I mean, like, there's all these things. But that's the worst option is a guy who's a little bit grumpy nowadays and won two national championships. The worst option. And then there's other ones like Mike Norvell, Kalen DeBoer, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, all who haven't won yet, but who have now rebuilt programs into contending teams. Look, I think Ryan Day should be an option for Alabama. Uh, and I, I, I don't think Ryan Day, like, he'd be jumping out of the frying pan and into a separate frying pan. But, you know, maybe he's just a little bit annoyed that it is what it is in the, in the Big Ten with – I can beat everyone else by 45 points. If I lose to Michigan by one, then all of that doesn't matter. You know, right. at, at least, and I will give this credit to Alabama fans, unless you straight up lose to a rival many years in a row, they, I think they kind of understand that, like, all right, it's not going to be perfect. You know, occasionally we're going to lose to LSU. Auburn might get us in the Iron Bowl every now and again. You know, Kate George is really good right now, but – at the end of the day, we're going to wake up in the morning and brush our teeth and look in the mirror and, and say, roll tide and be Alabama, as where I don't think that it clearly doesn't exist at Ohio State or Michigan, really, because they're so wrapped up in each other. Um, I, the, the only other thing I can compare it to, and it doesn't go both ways, is A&M fans felt that way about Texas, and they're about to again for so long when they were in the, the Southwest Conference and Big 12 together, is that A&M woke up in the morning and it was, I mean, Texas is in their song, right? When they sing Hello Blue, Connect, Connect, and that like it's saw Varsity's horns off, that's Texas. That's not anybody else that they've ever played. It was never like, you know, 
kill a bear or, you know, eat a horn frog or, you know, <laughs> right. whatever else it was, Razorback, like, that, that wasn't that. It was Texas. Well, well Giggum is the – Giggum is TCU. Yeah, Giggum is TCU. That's true. That is true. Uh, so, um, but that one's never going to happen again, no. like, ever. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, they're singing that. And then Texas, like, equally hates them but spends far less time on them mentally because they've got Oklahoma. They've got, like – they have a wife and a mistress when it comes to that, or they have two mistresses. And they're like, nah, you know, we like the Oklahoma one's more important to us. Now it's about to change, I guess, again, because they're back in the conference. But that's kind of how it was. And, you know, maybe if you go to Alabama because he's been excellent, I don't know. I'm trying to get anybody but, you know, anybody but Mike Norvell. Like, well, let's let's get into it then. Let's yeah. get who who do you like? What are the best options? Do you feel like for Alabama going in, into the future? So, look, there's look. Kalen DeBoer did a great has done a great job at Washington. He wins everywhere he goes. So you know he's won at every level. He is someone who's just proven that way. Like to me, I would. I, if I were like, this is maybe my bias coming out, but I'd like to think that it's not. I would take DeBoer over Norvell right now, given the fact that he's won more than Norvell has uh, and won championships at another level. You know, Norvell hasn't, Norvell's won, I think he won one conference title at Memphis. He's now won one at Florida State. DeBoer has now won conference titles in every conference he's ever played in. So, you know, I think that, I think that would be interesting. I do think that, um, I do think Dabo would be interesting because it would make him have to change. I think Day would be interesting because that would be that would be another earth shatter. Like Ohio State's open now, who are they going to go higher? Like that's, you know, you're 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 jumping back and forth. Um, you know, I actually do think that the best person they could hire is Lane Kiffin. He's been there. He's in the SEC. He's actually now getting players over Alabama. He's getting players out of the portal that aren't even like. He had, he's like some of the guys he signed in the portal didn't even go visit Alabama. They didn't even think about it. He convinced them to go to Ole Miss and, and sign and take that check. I mean, if he can do that at Ole Miss, a program that's never won the SEC, maybe it's time for him to get that shot at the, at the, at a true blue blood, you know, but I guess what would scare another blue blood off is he had two blue blood jobs in Tennessee and USC and those ended badly, but he's kind of a different coach now. He's, he's, he's not, he was very young when all that happened. He was impetuous and, you know, I, I think Lane Kiffin to me would be the best hire. So, you know, I, I like that, like that one to me is the best fit because he is also was in the Saban rehabilitation program and, and got better. Now the best, best fit, I think, Best, best, best right now would be Steve Sarkeesian. But let's not kid ourselves in thinking that Texas is going to let anybody that they want to keep walk out the door. Like, that's just not – I mean, Alabama's Alabama, but, like, Texas, you know, like that's the one thing that has – like when they're both going well, which they are right now, Texas would actually have a way to keep them out. Now, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't think Sark's going, so – Lanning's not going. Sark's not going. I thought for sure it would be Dan Lanning, and then he basically was like, "Look, I don't want to move anymore. I've got he's got a ten-year-old, a twelve-year-old, and a thirteen-year-old, and he's like, you know what? I want to just be in a place. Good for you, Dan. 
Good yeah. for you. So it's interesting. I mean, it's this is an earth-shattering week in coaching, which has not even had Jim Harbaugh news yet. No. So we've had, and we'll talk about the others later in the show because of their impact on coaching, but Bill Belichick today um, and Pete Carroll, and those three guys are intersected in a very, very, like, they cross each other's paths in, in many different ways. I mean, Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick with the Jets and Patriots and all, mm -hmm. all of that. Um, you know, Pete Carroll and Nick Saban. Pete Carroll and Nick Saban and the fact that Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian both were, um, you know, apprentices under them. So it's, it's a really interesting time. So, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I just, I just want to send a message to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to keep your beefy mitts off of Mike Norvell. That's all. You know, so. I think I think of all the names in there. It's it's whenever I hear Dabo's name floated for that job, it's just like, boy, it almost feels like in a sense, like it would be a little bit of a fairy tale for him to go back to Alabama. However, I'm wondering and to no fault of his own, because this is and this is not the right way to say it. I'm not I'm not suggesting that the moment has passed Dabo by. He never had the moment. Nick Saban was there for what, 15 years or however, 17, however long. Yeah. 17. So it's not like the moment has passed him by or has, has the window open and shut now for Dabo now that he's cooled off a little bit and maybe what, how would people in Alabama react to that one? But I still believe Dabo Sweeney's a heck of a football coach. I think that if he puts on that crimson red, I think he, there's a renewed sense of purpose. There's a new outlook on life. I, that's the name I feel like is really going to seriously be in the mix. I would be surprised if it wasn't. Yeah. I, yeah, I would, I would too. I think that, um, you know, uh, there are 22 coaches that beat Nick Saban at Alabama. And of the coaches who beat him multiple times, Gus Malzahn beat him three times. Gus is available. I hate it for my yeah. UCF friends, but Gus is available. <laughs> um, Les Miles, not available. Dabo right. beat him twice. Urban Meyer beat him twice. And don't think Urban hasn't at least like called him and like, hey, you think they'd uh you think they'd uh, ignore the fact that uh, you know, bad things happen in my wake and I'll I can just go win there because he's gonna win. It's just, you know, when you when you have Urban Meyer there, you know yeah. that it's gonna end with a lot of bad things that that have happened because he's he's looked the other way or he's you know kicked your kicker in the balls while he's stretching <laughs> you know i, I would rather i would i would rather i would rather the lane kiffin and like i'm not in no way am i comparing the lane kiffin noise with uh, urban meyer but you know i i would rather take on that personality than, than yep. Urban Meyer at this point. I mean, it's just too tainted. It's too much of a distraction. It's too, something will eventually happen because something has always eventually happened. Lane Kiffin is harmless, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's bravado with Lane, you know? Yeah. Like, there's nothing, like, you're not going to have, like, some of the very tragic things that have happened in the wake of Urban Meyer. And, like, I don't use that word lightly when I say tragic. Like, there are tragic things that happen because he looked the other way. And so while I do think that, you know, he would go there and win for sure because that's what he does because he's a win-at-all-costs guy, those costs, like, you know, for better or for worse, and I know that no one is, is, is you know, is totally lily-white clean, but Nick Saban did this without Alabama, you know, 
like cutting the corners that like even previous Alabama coaches cut. Like he just, I mean, everybody cuts corners, but like there were not egregious things that went on at Alabama like there were in the past. I mean, like he pretty much handled his business for this whole time. And I do think that you're going to want to have somebody who is, you know, again, there's not choir boys that are like coaches are not 100% choir boys. Like even choir boys have a, have a little bit of a dark side, but if you can get one that's as close as you can, I think that that's good, you know? And so, you know, like, because the whole nature of the thing, you can't be, you can't just stand on hundred percent ethics. You have to be willing to, to work on the margins a little bit. And, you know, I think that he did that as well as anybody else, you know, and, and, and kept, you know, his integrity through the whole thing. And I'm not just sucking up to Nick Saban here. Cause I, you know, he's, I was greatest. just about to interject. I was just about to interject, except lie to the Miami Dolphins straight in the face. People don't forget. Oh yeah. So. I forgot. I forgot about your dolphin thing. Yeah. People don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> People do not forget. Yeah. <laughs> I've been carrying that grudge around with me for, as you said, 17 years, Paul, you think I've forgotten about that? No, I have not. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I will say this, though. I mean, what did, did your opinion change at all when you found out that, like, he wanted to sign Drew Brees and the Dolphins were like, nah? No, no. It, it, that's an organizational thing. Yeah. I, that's, you know, he had to sign off in it, too. It's not like he – that's that's a whole – that's not solely on him. Mm-hmm. That's not solely on uh, – was Rick Spielman the general manager at that time? I don't I don't remember if he was or not, but um, that's an organizational thing and just a, co- a constant revolving door of ineptitude at that time in that organization. So he plays a role. He's not the whole role. I'm still pissed at him for saying I'm not. To, he did it when he took the Dolphins job. Remember when he was at LSU? He's like, I'm not going to the NFL. I'm not going to the NFL. What does he do a week later? He takes the Dolphins job. Two years later, he's like, I'm not going. I'm not taking the Alabama job. And he gets he gets all indignant with reporters for even having the audacity to ask him the question. And what does he do a week later? He takes the Alabama job. Yeah, like that. That, that, that to me, it just, what a scumbag, man. Like, seriously, <laughs> like, I mean, that, that's just, that is just underhanded, just indignant for the sake of being indignant. You don't have, I understand you're not going to tell the whole truth, but at the same time to have the audacity to get upset with people for even asking you the question when the, when the rumors are out there and then to basically look at them and say, you're a bleep head for asking me this question, you're an idiot for asking me this question. And then to turn and take it like says a lot to me about you, how you are as a person. And that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. I, um, I guess I just, I never take coaches at their word anyway, when it comes yeah, to that that's fair, because, because it's, it's just such a hard thing to, to navigate. Although I would say this about the dolphins or bam, like I would just not comment and be like, look, you know, the, the best way to do it is like, look, I'm, I'm here right now. That's the thing. I'm yeah. here right now. And right. because that's life, like, you know, you've got a job you like at Fox nine, Minneapolis. And if, if somebody, you know, started reaching out to you and was going to buy out your contract and bring you, that was going to be a huge opportunity for you. You know, yeah. you, you would go in and tell your bosses, like, you know, you'd be forthright with them, but you'd be like, look, I'm here right now. I'm happy. But like, here's yeah. the situation. And, yeah. you know, which I'm, almost happened a month ago, by the way, just, oh. you know, yeah, but, you know, funny enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I get your point. You know, like you got to say, like, you know, if somebody wanted to hire me for the podcast, I'm deliriously happy where I am right now. But like, you know, 
money talks, man. So, Correct. you know, so it's like, well, you know, I'm here right now and that's all I can deal with. That's the, that's the coach speak way to say it. And it's, it's, the, it's the same reason why I will forever, eh, I shouldn't say forever, but I will, I will despise Brooks Kepka for a long time. What was it last year or two years ago, right in the week of the U S open, somebody asked him about him potentially joining live. And he just, he just absolutely berates this reporter for even asking the question. And after the U S open, what does he do? He joins live golf. Yeah. Like, it's the same reason why I'll just have no respect for somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm here right now. Brooks Kepka also fell, yeah. fell a Florida state Seminole, by the way, but yes, he is. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm aware yeah. who lives, who lives a very charmed life. If you peek into his life every now and again. Yeah, no, it's it, yeah. He's spending that Saudi money really well. Uh, sure is. For sure. For sure. I, um, yeah, no, it's just like, that's the, that's the coach speak answer. I will say this, like the most unique approach to it I've ever had. And look, we have, continue to have a really good relationship is Matt rule. Like he, when he was here um, and I know like there are people, there are Baylor people that when I say his name are just turning their nose up and angry because of how it went down. But from the beginning, it he was very frank about like when somebody asked him about being an NFL coach one day, he was like, yeah, it's something I'd, I'd potentially like to do. But again, I'm like, I'm here right now. And mm -hmm. then we're at the sugar bowl uh, where they played against Georgia and we asked him straight up and down, like, are you considering NFL offers again? And he said, look, this is what I told the team. Look, if the if an NFL team offers me this much a year, should I take it? Like, so he can kind of – also, I think that kind of forthrightness is important with your players because then they'll understand how life works because, you know, there's only, like – you know, loyalty only goes so far because it has to be matched. So I can be loyal to you all the way down. You know, did you ever see the movie Ray? Oh, with, uh, with Jamie Foxx? Jamie Foxx. I, I have not seen it, okay. actually. So um, there's a scene in the movie Ray, and this is Ray Charles went and got this. He came up with one record label, and they, they let him do whatever. Like, they, they fostered his talent, and that's who got him big. But when he got really big, a major, major label, who I'm a, the the which one is escaping now? Like I'll just say it's Columbia Records because that was the the big one, you know. So they come to him and they say, well, how, what would it take for us to get you on Columbia Records? And he was the first artist to be able to own his own masters, so that like you know it was he wasn't basically borrowing his own music from the record label. Um, Taylor Swift now owns her own masters, right, as right, you know, right. with Taylor's yes. version of all the albums that she she redid. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, he was he told the guys like, "Look, I'm very loyal to you, but I'm asking you, can you match this offer?" And then that's kind of how life is, right? Like you're loyal until the loyalty matches you back. Like, and if you can't, that's not being disloyal. It's just you know, this is not this is not in our budget to pay you this much money, you know. Best of luck. Congratulations. It sucks that you're leaving. We'll miss you. Yeah. And I think you said, as long as you're forthright with your players first, that that's what, that's what you need to be because people can get mad about at you for your, the decisions that you made. But if, if you were honest with them throughout the entire process, they can be mad all they want, but that they really don't have much ground to stand on because as long as you were honest about it, and I'm not saying you have to tell everybody what your, your thought process is at every single moment, but if, if you could, it's, it's a two-way street. 
You know, it's, it's just like, hey, if, I, if I'm telling you what's happening, where I'm thinking where my head's at, I might be leaving this school. I am thinking about going to the NFL. I mean, that at least gives your employer the opportunity to be prepared. And, you know, instead of just completely blindsiding somebody like that, you know, I think it's, um, you know, Matt Rule, that when you said people were turning their nose up when when Matt Rule's name is mentioned or down awake, I'm like, why? Why? He gave he gave you guys, what was it, three great years, four great years? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe not great, but maybe not you know, he, initially, look, but like, he, but he yeah, came, he, re- he came at a time that was a disaster. Right. An absolute disaster. And then got you into the sugar bowl. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he did and built up a roster that within two years later, go to another sugar bowl. And he, like most of those guys were rule guys and Aranda took him to the next level uh, where they had been. But yeah, he was like, he was always a fixer, you know, a fixer, right. a fixer is not there for a long time because fixers, move on to the next thing. Like, at least in this regard, like, I think he'll, if he's successful at Nebraska, he'll retire at Nebraska. But, um, but because this was, like, the assignment was fix this disaster that has just happened to this program and this PR nightmare that they're, they're going to be, that, like, they're still, like, 5% in. Like, they're never going to ever be able to wash it off. Like, Forever because of how poorly it was handled. Although you were here, you know, like it's yeah, it was bad. right at the beginning. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it was, it was just a mess, right? And yeah. so he came here, did what he he said he would do, and then because he did, he said what he would do. A larger entity came and said, "Look, here's what we're going to give you," and he took it. Now. He wound up not realizing that David Tepper is a terrible owner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know>? Correct. <laughs> when somebody's offering you that much money, it's really yeah. hard to like, you know, well, I mean, again, you don't know. He was like, he was David Tepper's first head coach. You have no idea how it's going to do, you know? And so when it, it happened, it, it kind of just went there. So it's not like, you know, if, um, for example, if somebody wants the Patriots job, they can call up and ask other coaches like, hey, what's Robert Kraft like? If yeah. Bill Belichick wants to know more about Arthur Blank, he can call up any number of guys and be like, hey, what's this dude like if I go to the Falcons? And, you know, so on and so on. But, like, Matt Rule couldn't call anybody and be like, hey, what's David Tepper like? And they're like, oh, he's rich. <laughs> That's what he's yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, got a little bit of a temper on him, too, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, from time to time. But like, I mean, and that's the funny thing too about going to the NFL. When you see a guy like Matt Rule, who's been successful at the collegiate level, it's it, I I know this is you know I'm sorry to sound a little Captain Obvious about it, but it's hard to judge on how a collegiate coach, you know, how is he re- does he really have the chops to make it in the NFL? It's like, well, he didn't have the quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback, you're gonna have a hard time being successful. I mean, look at Arthur Smith in Atlanta. Like, I mean, the, the, the guy, the players were praising him the other day after he was let go, praising him. But Arthur, he never had the quarterback. So it's like, does that mean he's a bad coach? I, I, heck, I don't know. But I do know that Matt Rule's a pretty damn good coach. Yeah, no, I know. Like, And sometimes it's just about the situation. You know, look, Bill Belichick, who we're going to talk about next, was he a bad coach in Cleveland or was he in a bad situation? You know, right. like those those are the things. Like he has, wasn't. Has it, ever been, has it ever been a good situation in Cleveland, though? It might be right now. I don't know. Uh, Kevin Stefanski's doing a pretty good job. Yeah, that's fair. Yes. And, you know, 
this I do like my favorite part about the NFL this year as an Italian, even though part of it was with the Giants, but there's been a renaissance of Italian-American flair in the NFL with Tommy DeVito and now Joe Flacco. Right. Yes. <laughs> so I, uh, I appreciate like I'm part of me is rooting for the Browns to do very well because they've got a Paisan at quarterback. <laughs> you know, I'm happy about that. And there's a, a nice Italian community in Cleveland. I hope that if they win a couple playoff games, he gets a sandwich named after him. He's earned it. All right. I mean, sure. that's look, Joe Flacco in any, like in Cleveland, Baltimore, like Cleveland, he got him the playoffs coming off the couch which is a legendary story. Baltimore, there should be a deli with a Joe Flacco sandwich. If there's not. No question. If there's no not, question. I'm coming to Baltimore and I'm going to fix things. Yes. <laughs> yes, I no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. There should be a sandwich. Anyway, um, next up, three coaching legacies. Uh, now, one of them will continue to coach and Bill Belichick more than likely. But three coaching legacies came to an end in the last 24 hours. Because even if Bill Belichick goes somewhere else, his legacy in New England, which may never be matched, is over. Just like Nick Saban's is over and his will never be matched, and Pete Carroll's is over. And Pete Carroll's might be matched, but still, it's really impressive, the career he put together for himself. He's an all-time great uh, and will be an NFL Hall of Famer and a college football Hall of Famer because he was, he was that good at both those things, which is also a rare thing. There's not many guys who've done what he's done as well. When we come back, we'll talk about those three guys and their legacy. This is the Triple Option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back. Pierre Newsham, Fox 9, Minneapolis, uh, with us. Um, and this is, the, two years ago, we had a coaching cycle that was just insane. With, like, LSU and USC and Wisconsin, like, huge jobs all open at once. And it was, you know, Lincoln Riley, like, and then Oklahoma opened up, and... This is not going to be the same kind of cycle because it's really probably only going to affect three schools. You know, Alabama, the school they hire from, and then the school that school hires from. I guess maybe it could continue to go on down the line in a never-ending circle, but eventually somebody's just going to promote a coordinator and call it a day. But it's, uh, it's a huge week of coaching news, and 
Jim Harbaugh, like I said before, still has not, like, we don't know what Jim Harbaugh's future is, and that's probably coming next week. Well, we'll know whether he's an NFL coach or not. And, I mean, I, I think for sure he's going to be. But, you know, I've been, I've been wrong before. But it feels to me like this is the perfect time to get out of Dodge because you just did exactly what you said to do there. You can go make money in the NFL. The NCAA is going to hover around you and be annoying for as long as you're at Michigan now because of multiple things. So might as well just go to the NFL and try to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and I think, I think perhaps he might've been waiting to see what was happening in Chicago. Was Matt Eberflus going to say Chicago? Cause I think, you know, he's got a little soft spot for the bears, mm-hmm. but we, when you look across the board of the NFL, I think the one, the I, I don't know if I should use the word surprise because given the track record the last couple of years, yeah, it wasn't very good, but you know, there was a little bit of instability at quarterback, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee, who I think is a pretty good coach. Yeah. And I think Mike Vrabel will not be out of work for very long. Now that you have an opening in new England, you know, with his connection there, would he be the next in line after Bill Belichick walks out the door? But in terms of the most attractive job, Paul, Chargers? I think the Chargers. I think the Chargers. I think the Chargers are. If I'm Jim Harbaugh, that's where I want to go. Yeah, because you have the quarterback. You have the quarterback in place. Because it's not. Know? It's not a top-down rebuild. It's kind of like a middle-out no. rebuild. Yes. Like you get to. Okay, we've got. They've got a great left tackle too, and Rashawn Slater. So you you've got yep. that taken care of. Um, you know, you've got some young wide receivers, and you've got some veterans. Like that's probably going to move out the door. But you can right, yeah. now take the quarterback who everybody knows is really good. <laughs> And so, like, you got Joey Bosa on the end. Like, you've got that, right? And, you know, that's really good. I know they still have Khalil Mack, but I would assume that eventually a lot of that salary cap is going to get cleared. But you've got a pass rusher, a left tackle, and a quarterback right now. Uh, You've also got a safety in Derwin James, who, while he's a psycho, is an elite player. They've got – They've got some good, like they've got good players across the board. They've had some bad coaching the last couple years and some injury problems, but yeah, you could you could really hit the ground running there as opposed to like Chicago's not open now. Washington's Washington's open, right? Washington. Okay, Washington has the second pick in the draft. All right, well you're probably going to get one of those quarterbacks, but. None of them have proven like Justin Herbert's proved. So I'd rather go to L.A., a place that he's been before. I believe he, was a, a, he played there, uh, and he coached there as an assistant as well. So, yeah, he's – well, I guess not there in San Diego, but with San the Char- Diego, you know, but with the universe. Spanos, with the Spanos Co- family, so he's yeah. familiar with them. So coached I, at the University of San Diego, which is a fine institution, yeah. by the way, if you've never stepped on that campus before. <laughs> yeah, so everything in San Diego is great. That's correct. That's very true. So one yeah, very you, true. You just went there, didn't you? Like this past uh, year? I was there in September. Yeah, I yeah. went to go see uh, Coldplay. Please don't call the show. Please don't email. I don't care what your opinion is about Coldplay. I'm with Fine. you. I'm with but, you. Yeah. Buddy, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. No, it was great. It's a terrific show. Yeah. Look. Wow. Look, and sometimes, you know, I've told people, like, I've seen a couple concerts the last few years that, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're not a fan of some people, I think you need to go see and I got right. this advice from my father, who uh, was in Vegas with his buddies right when Celine Dion started her residency. Okay. And okay. So they were there, and like they always went around the time of the rodeo, which is in December. And okay. so they would see their country music fans. So they'd see Alabama and Brooks and Dunn and George Strait and Garth Brooks, and they saw all these great acts. And he's like, "Oh, you got to see them." And then um, they get there one year, and my dad calls me, and he goes, "Hey." Uh, 
we have tickets to see Celine Dion. And I was like, what? I was like, that didn't seem like your speed. He's like, that guy told me it was a great show. And so then in the middle, in the intermission of the Celine Dion show, my dad walked to a payphone at Caesars Palace, called me in my college door at 1.30 in the morning, Tallahassee time on a Wednesday, <laughs> knowing I would be at least close to up, and said, hey, this Celine Dion show is amazing, and I'm sitting next to Vin Diesel. <laughs> All right, love you, buddy. Good night. And then went back wow. to the show. <laughs> wow. That went epic, epic phone call conversation for the ages. My God. Yeah. My phone's ringing. I went, I saw the caller ID. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, it's Caesar's Palace. This can't be good. No. <laughs> you know, no. Like, I was like, what? So I picked up the phone. I was like, hello? It's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm about to go to sleep. Uh, he's like, oh, what time is it there? I was like, well, it's like 1.30 in the morning. He's like, oh, well, I'm at the intermission of the Celine Dion show. It's amazing. Sitting next to Vin Diesel and his mom. It's great. <laughs> Hung up the, See you. Talk to you tomorrow. Hung up the phone. <laughs> and, you know, Celine, Celine did in her own right. Just an amazing voice. Yeah, just a, just so, an incredible singer. Look, so, you know. Two, two years ago. Uh, and look, I've been a fan of his my whole life, but I'm a huge Garth Brooks fan, but I've okay. never actually seen him in concert. And I told a bunch of people, like, look, man, you may not like him, but if you get a good chance to see it, you should go because the dude puts on a show. Look, I was only a moderate Justin Timberlake fan, and then we saw him at the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, yes. and I yes. was like, well, guess what? I'm in. Book it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. This was You're amazing. Sold. Yeah, I mean Coldplay in that in that moment, um, you know, they were. I, I have a very short list of of names now on the on the bands I need to see before I die. Coldplay was on there because I'd missed them twice. Before. I did see them at Super Bowl Fifty because uh, yeah. I was at Super. That was the Broncos Panthers Super Bowl. Yeah. But that doesn't count. You know, that's not their show. Yeah. So we to go see the only other the other band. The last band that I can think of on my list is U two. Still need to go see them, but I don't want to show up to a U two concert, especially if I'm going to the Sphere in Vegas, and I don't want to hear Bono talk about famine across the world. It's like, fine, you know what? I, I don't. I'm not here for this. Write a check, okay? Like I work <laughs> at a job. I just just play where the streets have no name for me, please. Like you know, that, that would, that's my only request when I go see YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I think I've got it with you there. Like you yeah. can get. Here's what I'd negotiate, Bono. You get. Throughout the whole set, you get right. two times at three minutes apiece to talk about a cause. Well, that's even longer than I would have allowed, yeah. but okay. Yeah. I'll give him three minutes apiece knowing that he's going to want 10. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. He's going to want 10. Three minutes apiece. Pick your two causes. And then you can, we can rotate through. I'll come the next night, and I'll t hear the next two. Like, I'm all okay. like, I'll support your causes through my tickets, but... You cannot spend as much time on them as you do on stuck in a moment. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we'd be here for five hours, you know? <laughs> yes. And like, I mean, and the unfortunate thing is you could be at a YouTube concert for five hours and just hear pure music the whole time. Imagine that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So it is legacy. Like legacies are ending. Yes. And Bill Belichick and what he was able to do in the NFL and Nick Saban and what he was able to do in college. And both of them, like, Saban is on the Belichick tree. And 
Belichick's staff in Cleveland, you should go watch the NFL Films documentary about it. It will blow your mind, like, yeah. who was on that staff. And Nick Saban was, like, a kind of a lower-level guy, you know. But the two most brilliant coaches that have ever coached were, are there together. Like, you know, it's Aristotle and Plato. Like, they're together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, right? So they – they're both retiring the same or leaving their their jobs, one retiring, one leaving in the same week. And it's just the amount of wins and things they did that nobody else did. And nobody else did like, yes, other coaches won a bunch of titles like Bear Bryant. But Nick Saban did it with scholarship limits and, you know, uh, different rules that like used to be really like you think the Wild Wild West now before they really figured out, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't let. Notre Dame and Alabama and Michigan have 700 scholarships just to give out willy-nilly because nobody else can do that. Like, we should maybe limit this stuff. And then uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady won six Super Bowls together with the salary cap. They, they navigated through the salary cap and did that over and over and over again. And so when you talk about dynasties, especially ones with – restrictions placed on them and in a league that has revenue sharing like the NFL does because there were other dynasties back when you know um, if you went into the Cowboys locker room everything was nice if you went into say you know the Bills locker room like yeah it was a locker room you know like it was just kind of how it was now everything's opulent and beautiful and and huge but with that they were able to be dominant not not just winning over and over again but dominant when they did it. And that to me is very impressive. I think they can thank Tom Brady for that. Not because I'm not because Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but because Tom Brady would constantly take a discount to allow the team to construct the roster as is because Tom Brady never was never in the upper. Well, in terms of like top five highest paid or whatever, they always structured his contract in a way that would free up money elsewhere to build the team around him. And Tom Brady was smart enough to understand that and realize that. So, I mean, when, when Bill Belichick get, gets the credit for what he was able to do in new England, which is rightfully deserved, I'm not taking anything away from him there in, in that regard. Although we do need to talk about cheating scandals. That's part of his legacy as well. But I, Tom Brady deserves a lot of credit for the way, for the way things played out in new England, given the way that he allowed the team to, maneuver money around to keep that team competitive for two decades. And he was a big part of that because he sacrificed probably a bigger payday that he could have taken elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I, I like, it's just so strange that these guys were, and like all everybody in the chat hates Bill Belichick and I get it. Like he's very hateable. (laughs) He's, he's very hateable, but like I said, there's, there, there is scandal that has followed him. Uh, I shouldn't say follow it, but they're, they're, that's part of the story. That That is part of the story. And I don't think that needs to be ignored because we had a situation with Spygate, uh, Deflategate, you know, I, I don't know. Mike Tomlin one year said he he thought people were listening in to the coach's headsets or, or like through, through, uh, through the locker room. I can't remember exactly what Mike Tomlin said one time, kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, there's some shady business going on around Josh McDaniels, a Bill Belichick disciple when he was hired as the head coach of the Broncos in his second year with the Broncos when they were overseas to play the 49ers, I believe, in London. And that staff was caught 
filming the 49ers practice or peeking in on the 49ers practice, he was fired immediately by Pat Bolin. You know, that, that doesn't fall on Bill Belichick, but I mean, but it's the type of behavior that has circled around that coach and the coaching tree. And well, it wasn't that long ago when they were in Cincinnati that there was another accusation of some kind of, I don't know if it was spy, like spying or, or whatever, a handful of years ago or so. So that's that's part of the story. I, I don't know how much it really affected Bill Belichick in terms of winning and losing, because I think he is a really good coach. Hey, not really good. I mean, he's he's all fame coach. Let's let's get real. Mm-hmm. But that is part of the story. Yeah, it is. It, like all of that is part of the story. And I understand people don't like Bill Belichick. Um, let's take a break right here. When we come back. Let's talk about Pete Carroll and what he did at USC and then that legacy as well. I know that there was the, the thing at Pete Carroll's legacy at USC now, like while it was maybe a little tarnished because of some, you know, yeah. extra benefits, yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Like yeah. now it looks like, okay. <laughs> like, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> whatever. This is the triple option on 365 sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back, 365 Sports, Paul Catalina and Pierre Nugeman. Pierre, uh, this, uh, this week, coaching-wise, is just so weird. We've talked about it every segment, but the one that was kind of surprising was Pete Carroll is retiring in San Francisco and moving into an advisory role, uh, and they're going to move on with a new coach, uh, or San, I said San Francisco, in Seattle. Uh, in Seattle, and, and doing that, he won a Super Bowl, should have won another one, Lost to Belichick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, made a very, very – I mean, that's going to be part of his NFL legacy is he could, he could have yeah. two rings if he didn't make a very, very bad decision. And You got Marshawn right there. He was He's right there. He got you all the way down there. God, like, you yeah, know, I know. Yeah. I know. Like the one, the one thing that he was – like the one thing you would know, like at that point, like this is what we've got to do. And, right. you know, sometimes you just – you can't fool people. Like, you try too hard to fool people. Look, I think going back a couple weeks ago, the Lions, when they got their penalty on that two-point conversion, the reason they yeah. got the penalty is they were trying too hard to fool everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, that's, that's what happened. I mean, like, it was – look, it was a weird call, and the Cowboys got super lucky that that happened. But yeah. that's why it happened, because the Lions were, like, trying, you know – did you have a cookie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
This is a perfect way to put it. Like it's the perfect did, way to put it. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe. Uh, I you know Pete Carroll. You talked. You mentioned it before the break when when he was at USC. In terms of you know we talked about Bill Belichick and and the stories that follow him that are going to be part of his story. You know with with the allegations of you know potential sign stealing, uh, deflate gay, you know all that stuff. You know it's well documented. The when it comes to USC at that time and everybody knows about, you know, Reggie Bush and, you know, the things that were going on at USC. I think the difference for me personally is it's I, I, I have a hard time finding the balance of I, I never want to use the excuse of, yeah, well, everybody's doing it. You know, it's college football. Yeah. Everybody's like everybody knows everybody's getting some kind of benefit under the table and, and this, that and the other and blah, blah, blah. Um but for me, and I, I know that's a loose way to associate it, but I never felt that with those things that were going on at USC, the difference between Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick is to me that never affected the integrity of the game. Yeah. I never found that to be an integrity of the game situation. That will always be the biggest issue for me. And, and I know people say, well, I mean, if you're paying for the best players back in 2005, you know, isn't that kind of an integrity to the game where you're offering impermissible benefits that would per, uh, perhaps prevented Reggie Bush to go for, to another school? Who knows? I don't know. I guess maybe loosely, but in terms of on the field um, integrity of the game, that to me is the biggest difference when you're talking about those two guys. Yeah. By the way, very symbolically, you see the pennant that fell down behind me is the FSU one. <laughs> is that uh, Oh, God. It's just, oh, no. <laughs> just, uh, it's a bad omen. Uh, yeah, I know. I really. I really don't know, that, but that's uh, a bad omen. Uh, it just felt like I saw it right there. Seven oh win, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, but with Pete Carroll, and I do think that like history looks differently over time. You know, there are you know, like you could probably look back at certain American presidents that were disliked when they were president, and then you're like, well, I'm glad he did that because that really worked out for us. 30 years later, you know, like those are things like, and I think with Pete Carroll, you can kind of look back and go, yeah, you know, there are a lot of people giving him permissible benefits. Let's not pretend like he was the only one doing it. So it was wrong and it was against the rules. But also the way the NCAA was making all this money on the backs of their athletes was also wrong. And now we have changed policies in college athletics because of things, because of like, people like Reggie Bush getting punished and you're like, well, because if you ask it like on the surface, okay, Reggie Bush is getting all this attention and selling all these tickets and making all this money for USC. Why should Reggie Bush not be able to get a little money? Because it's about like what he did. Like, should he not be rewarded for that? Isn't that what American capitalism is supposed to be about? Sounds like it to me. Yes. Yeah. So while it wasn't the rule then, there were people been fighting it for like Chris Weber was fighting it back in the nineties, you know. So yeah. it's not like it was the first time. Like you know, all right, well, so Reggie Bush and agent, bought it, like, and here was the thing: the permissible benefits didn't really come from USC to Reggie Bush. It came from the agent who helped his parents get a loan for a house in San Diego. Got a loan. He didn't mm-hmm. buy them the house. He helped right. them get the loan. So they could get a house, and I think it was blown out of proportion because people saw like, oh, this is a you know a nine hundred eighty thousand dollar house. Well, in California, yep, in is, San Diego, in San Diego, that is bargain basement. You sure know, is. it was, and it was a fine house, 
But it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like Lincoln Riley's house, the coach at USC that he lives in now that he moved him into. It wasn't in right. Malibu. He wasn't like walking his dog through the dog park and like, oh look, is that Cindy Crawford? Oh, what what do you know? Like that right. that's not what happened. Like this was he helped him get a loan, you know? Um, um Perry Jones the third was a basketball player at Baylor. I remember. He got suspended for five games yep. because his AAU coach took him to a Cowboys Chargers preseason game with two of his buddies. Right. That was the impermissible benefit. I've talked to many people about that thing. Perry Jones had already signed with Baylor. The AAU coach had nothing to do with Baylor. He was just the AU coach that was like a surrogate father to him, and Perry Jones was very close to his father, but a family friend. So they went out to this game with his friends, and he was suspended for five games because that was an impermissible benefit, and Perry hadn't even been to class yet. He hadn't right. even shown up, but that was an impermissible benefit. So sometimes you look at these things, and you're like, meh. That changed, like you said. It didn't like – it didn't like Reggie Bush didn't score more points or more touchdowns right. for USC because his parents got a, a home loan that maybe some, somebody who was not Reggie Bush's parents at that time would have gotten. It was, right. eh, you know, they got, they had some juice and they used it like, all right. Okay. You, you know, me, uh, I, I can be stubborn about things. Let's, uh, you know, well, I'm putting it nicely. To me, um, in every sport across the board, nobody is above the game. Mm -hmm. Nobody. Nobody is above the game. Nobody is above the integrity of the game. That will always be a major sticking point with me. And that, again, brings me back to the difference between Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll in this instance. Because when you question the integrity of the game, that that tarnishes a legacy. It's not going to fully tarnish his legacy. I know where Bill Belichick is going to stand. And Bill Belichick, is, is that, it doesn't even really sound like he's done coaching yet either. No, I think he's going so, to the Falcons. Yeah, he, he it, you know, it sounds like somebody out there is going to want Bill Belichick. Yeah. Um, so he's 15 wins away from the all-time record. So that's yeah. three bad seasons in Atlanta. You right. know, or, or two right. average ones. And he's right. got it right. And, and you know, and, and speaking of, in, if if I could get off the individuals just for a moment here, like the the one coaching, um, the one opening that that has me wondering who's going to take this job and why and what are they going to do with it? We alluded to it earlier with Mr. Tepper, Carolina. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have Bryce Young sitting there. Boy, does it look? It looks bad now because C.J. Stroud is, is you know is playing so well in Houston. It looks bad now. It doesn't mean we're going to write off Bryce Young after one year. Um, but who's going to identify Bryce Young and say, you know what? I can work with this kid and I can get him to a Pro Bowl level and we can figure this thing out in Carolina because it is a mess in Carolina. It's yeah. a mess right now. Yeah. So that I, I'm that to me, even though there's plenty more um, attractive jobs out there on the market, I'm curious to see who has the goal to say this is a big undertaking but i want it yeah i yeah that that's going to be interesting i, I want to mention something in the chat yes alan i know that the sports agent also paid reggie bush cash but he didn't pay reggie bush cash to play at usc he paid him so that he would you know hire him like right. he just kind of fronted him some money 
you know, so he would hire him when he got drafted. So, again, I'm not sure how much that benefited USC as it did that guy. Right. Correct. Like so, you said, it didn't help. It didn't help USC score any more yeah, touchdowns was, in a game. Like, yeah, it's 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 two different things. It's this, these are two different things we're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm not like I just don't find it as egregious as some of the other things, and especially now when you've got you know kids who haven't done near what Reggie Bush did, saying they want way more money than Reggie Bush ever got. Uh, right is like, well, I mean, we're going to look at that like it was something horrible now because the rules have changed so much that you're like, you know, Nico Amaliava has got, you know, he's going to make $8 million if he stays all four years at Tennessee. Yeah. Nobody gave Reggie Bush $8 million and he won the damn trophy, right? That's right. So, yeah, it's it's a little, it's like that, that was the point is that there's, there's different ways to look at things and looking at things through the eyes of history sometimes allows you to look back and think like, oh, well, I've kind of changed my mind about this. <laughs> as, he, he was the best new player. information comes available. He was the best player in college football. Yeah. Everybody knew it. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knew it. He's the best player in college football. He was rewarded as such. I know they vacated yeah. that, but I mean, like, I mean, he was rewarded as such. Everybody knew Reggie Bush was the best player in college football. So yeah. it was like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, what, what are we really talking about? I, I know in retrospect now, now with all the NIL stuff and, and the new, we can't apply what's happening now to back then. I know we can't, but it's just like when in perspective, you know, what are we really talking about here? Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you, you know, like remember when Jim Trestle had to suspend all those guys and his yeah, career ended for, because of tattoos? Tattoos. Yeah. You know, like, just, you know now this seemed like at the time and he lied about it which was the stupid thing I mean, like yes okay, yeah, right. they got some tattoos right. all right that right, was the right. that was the dumb thing on jim trestle's part to be like yes they did i'm gonna suspend him shut up about it all right like, yeah. yeah you know like if you were into tattoos and somebody offered you a free one you'd take it shut your mouth <laughs> yeah correct <laughs> like, they're dumb kids correct. i'll let them be dumb kids they're gonna get suspended yeah. like this is over let's not let's not pretend like they robbed a bank you know? I mean, and it's, and it's like, oh, they got a tattoo. Suddenly they're going to be first team All-American because of this tattoo. <laughs> next, you know, it's like yeah. the Superman tattoo that suddenly propels them to an elite status. It's just, it's, it's just so ridiculous when we think about it looking back. Yeah, exactly. All right, Pierre, have a great weekend, buddy. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Any big plans coming up for you? Uh, I'm moving. I'm moving in two months, but I'm staying. Actually, you know, you know in terms of big plans, uh, yeah, I will be watching. I did get offered tickets to go to Kansas City to go watch the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And you know me, I'm a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. Yes. Love the Dolphins. Am I willing to stand outside for six hours in negative zero weather to watch them probably get eliminated? No, no, I am not. Uh-huh. That would be that would be insanity. I am not going to stand outside at Arrowhead for six hours when it's zero degrees to kickoff. I'm just not going to do it. Well, you know. Some people are fans and some people are real fans, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like to live to perhaps one day see them win something of note. So when the, when I was in college and the first new star Wars movie came out. Yeah. You know what? Are we talking episode one? Episode one. When it came out, I remember talking to my roommate. He and I were both big fans of the original movies and we're like, man, this like, this is so exciting. We were telling people like, there's no bigger Star Wars fans than us. Like, right. in this entire city, there's nobody that's yes. bigger Star Wars fans than us. And I went in there and got my seat and sat down. And I looked to my left, 
and there was Chewbacca, a stormtrooper, and a little literal R2 effing D2. And yeah. I thought, you know what? Like I, I'm just kind of, I just kind of like these a lot. I'm not, I'm not in love with them. You know, I like, like this. It's the, the, the great quote from Mike Leach. It's like breakfast, bacon and eggs. The chicken's involved, but the pig is committed. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was how I felt. And I get it. Like you get to that point of like, oh, I love this team. Nobody's crazy about this team to me. Do you want to sit outside for six hours in zero degree weather? Well, I still love the team, but I'm not, you know, a stalker. I'll put it, but I'll put it this way though. You, you tell me as, as being a fan of this team for 32 years and being in front of the TV every Sunday, finding a way to find them, seeing them in five or six different cities across the country. And after everything they have put me through over 32 years, you tell me who's a real fan and who and who's not. I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still here, damn it. Yeah. I'm still here. They just haven't. Here's the thing. They have not earned the fan level of zero degrees yet. They need have to half do- a football team, Paul. The whole defense is on. We can do another hour of this. I'm just infuriated. <laughs> they have nobody on defense. Yeah. But they need, to, they need to do something to earn your next level of fandom. They, Correct. They're not playing the video. Like, you're not playing the video game. They are. They're That's trying right. to get leveled up and beat Pierre, not that's Pierre right. beat Correct. the Dolphins. You are, Correct. yes, that's what they need Correct. to do. They have got to level up. That's what Correct. they've got to do. All right. I actually was making plans to go see them. If they had a home game, I was making plans already to go down in the, the wild card round. I was making plans to go down to Miami to be at that game. Did not work out. <laughs> no. <laughs> it did the Josh Allen happened again. Correct. Yes. Yeah, that sucks, Correct. buddy. That sucks. All right. Uh, we're gone for the weekend, and then we'll we have uh, Tim Brando on the show today to talk about about Nick Saban. So that'll be great. Um, you know, we've got lots of different things, but Tim Brando, Max Olson. I mean, we're we're going to talk about coach openings, and I hope I'm able to say Mike Norvell has signed a 700 year extension. <laughs> for your sake, I hope so, buddy. By the way, big Tim Brando fan. By the way, great. Prof- what a professional. Good, just yeah. great, great. Tim Brando's great people. Yeah, absolutely is. All right, Pierre, have a good weekend. Thanks to Garrett. Thanks to all you for watching. Whenever you do, this is the Triple Option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster.